crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Noctegal. I'm here in Jerusalem, Israel, for the program today. Today is Sunday, December 8th, so you know whether you're up to date with the programming. In front of me today, I have the latest edition of the National Geographic magazine. Thank you to a number of you that sent in uh, this magazine, or at least a link to this lead story in this magazine. Uh, we had a listener send in the actual front cover of the National Geographic, and on the cover of it, you've got this headline. It says, Under Jerusalem. And then underneath that, it says, New excavations reveal the ancient city and stoke modern tensions. And this this uh, elaborate picture, artistic rendering of Jerusalem with, of course, the Dome of the Rock smack dab in the center of it. And then underneath that, it looks like staircases and all these funny tunnels. And uh, this is, although there's no real uh, mention of it, this is completely uh, complete fabrication underneath. It doesn't look like this. Nevertheless, you have this article in the National Geographic, which goes all the way around the world, which is extremely famous for uh, their pictorial um, uh, articles, as well as just informing readers about nature and, and archaeological discovery, history, and other things as well. And this lead issue, December 2019, is bringing attention to Jerusalem archaeology. And I am going to go through part of this article today with you. If you have read this article, and you came away from uh, reading it with a little disheartened. Uh, don't don't fear. I was a little disheartened. Also, you're not alone in that. Um, but I, I do want to go through it just so that I can uh, correct many of the errors that are in this article associated with Jerusalem archaeology and the uh, the political attachment to this discussion of Jerusalem archaeology. Of course, no one needs to describe or reiterate how important Jerusalem is in terms of uh, the world, the history that is there. And it's important, people should note, because of the history, not the modern day history. It's important, Jerusalem is, because of its ancient history. And of course, it's a political firestorm to talk about that history today. Whether you're talking about Jewish history or whether you're trying to deny Jewish history, it is a hot topic. And one that is often, more often than not, treated unfairly by today's media. And this is probably because they want clicks, they want uh, some type of tension, they want a disagreement between two parties to bring to the attention of people so that it can sell copies, I guess. But lost in this hyper-political discussion about Jerusalem archaeology are the significant artifacts themselves, the history itself that has been uncovered, discovered, and published. And we do our best at Watch Jerusalem to just give you what has been discovered. And of course, as that relates to the Bible, that's what we are concerned with most. Uh, we don't necessarily deal with the other periods as much, though we acknowledge their existence, uh, because that is not what we are interested in, and that's not what most of the people visiting ancient Jerusalem are interested in as well. So I'm going to go through this article, correct a couple of things, and just and just really try and and 
help you see that there is this nefarious plot against Jerusalem archaeology and in particular the history, the biblical history that exists there. And they make archaeologists out to have a political bias against Palestinians when really more often than not the archaeologists are a victim themselves to this political situation that is being exacerbated by the media. A few months ago, I went on a press tour organized by the GPO, the government press office here in Jerusalem. There was a number of uh, journalists that went along with it, some some big names uh, in journalism as well. There was one correspondent for a worldwide news broadcaster that comes from the United States that was there with his camera crew and his offsider as well that were there to uh, go along on this tour, which was basically a, a number of sites that had uh, recent fame and attachment to them because of the recent discoveries. We went to the sifting project here in Jerusalem, which uh, oversees a lot of the wet sifting from the different archaeological sites here. And then we went to uh, the city of David and walked through one of the recent tunnels there as well as getting getting a, a instruction from archaeologists, as well as getting some instruction or at least a tour from an individual from the City of David Foundation. The City of David Foundation is the big bad boy in all this discussion. If you read any of these articles and believe them, uh, they are the, the chief uh, sinner involved in uh, perpetuating a narrative that seeks to hyper-inflate uh, the Jewish history of the area and then remove Palestinians from the area as well. That is that is apparently their their main purpose. Uh, anyhow, on this tour, what was amazing amazing to me was the fact that the the a lot of the journalists themselves weren't interested as interested. Let's put it that way in the discoveries. They weren't as interested in finding out what was discovered. Going back. 25, 2600 years, less interested in that, and they're already wanting to shape their narrative as some type of show, showing through this through this day of tours that Israel has a is using archaeology in order to exclusively show their rights to the land, and they want to push the Palestinians out. And I was just kind of blown away by this and it it was so easy to pick out too just the way that some of these journalists were interviewing uh, interviewing some of the archaeologists and the archaeologists are just sick of this they do not want any type of uh any type of attachment to the pole political scene they're just there to dig in fact as we'll get to there's many archaeologists that refuse to dig in jerusalem not because it's not uh historically important and the very cradle of uh, of his the center let's put it that way of, of history for the jewish people it's because of all the political bias that is attached to it that they know that they're going to be seen as a political tool as a political agent for the state of israel when all they're doing is digging up things from the ground and saying what they found there's many that are scared to even do that these days but the journalists i feel like they have their part to play in this uh, I feel like there's plenty of left-wing uh, uh, other NGOs that are pushing a narrative, apparently, that Israel is trying to overturn the whole idea of a two-state solution through archaeology, and you'll you'll see how ludicrous that is as we talk about it as we go on. I'm not saying that there aren't groups that, sh- that talk about 
Jew- Jewish ties to the land because of what's discovered. That does exist. And n- naturally, you'd ex- assume uh, for people to, to talk about that, that that does exist, especially in light of you have many international organizations that claim that the Jews have no rights to East Jerusalem, to the West Bank, when archaeological discovery from those areas uh, is is has abundant Jewish history. It's it's verifiable. It's completely verifiable. It's not made up. It's it's real. In fact, most of the layers of these ancient cities throughout the whole land of Israel today, even including the West Bank, most of that histor- most of the remains are from the periods related to when Israel was here. Israel was here. We know that is Israeli history. You can read inscriptions in ancient Hebrew, with ancient people's names that come from the Bible. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. But if you declare it as such, you are considered uh, a political tool. Okay, let's get to this article. Jerusalem's massive digs reveal new treasures and stoke uh, stoke ancient conflicts. It's called by Andrew Lawler, again, from the December 2019 issue of the National Geographic magazine. It goes on and talks about how it's following Joe Uziel. Uh, he is one of the archaeologists that works for the Antiquities Authority in, in conjunction with the City of David uh, Foundation. It talks about him leading this tour for this, uh, for this author. Uh, but I'm going to just jump down further along because that's kind of it talks about uh, how they're digging tunnels and excavating underneath the ground because you can't get, uh, it's very difficult to get licenses to excavate above ground a lot of the time or because there is houses in the way. And so the only way to do that is to excavate this important area uh, from underground. And it talks about how sometimes there are cracks in the buildings above, which does happen, which certainly does happen. But those buildings are then dealt with and improved and shorn up, uh, uh, shored up so that they don't da- get damaged further. But of course, that that narrative that the whole the whole city of David is going to fall into a hole because of uh, these excavations, that's what's pushed here and elsewhere as well. I would like to just say, though, that when we're talking about the archaeology in, archaeology in Jerusalem and, and the let's say the hot spot, the bit that gets everybody talking, it is this area just to the south of the southern wall of the Temple Mount, the City of David as it's known today, or Wadi Hillel, Hill, Hille, I believe, Hillwe, sorry, Wadi Hillwe is what it was known as and is still known as. Uh, if if you're an Arab, but it's known as the City of David generally today as well, because anciently this is the area of the City of David. This is where David set up his city. This is what the Bible says in this geographic region was called the City of David, and it is retaining that name today as well. And this is a tiny little area. It's not big, some 20 acres or so. Not a big patch of land that we're talking about here. Not critical for Israel's pursuit of disregarding a two-state solution because they're using archaeology to prove their ties to this patch of ground, good 20 acres, right a good quarter mile from the Western Wall. It's not really, it's not really uh, going to disrupt the whole two-state solution if it turns out to, if that turns out to be what happens. Nevertheless, that is how it is portrayed by UNESCO, uh, by the... uh, Obama administration's uh, United Nations Security Council, the resolution that they vetoed, and by numerous Palestinian groups as well, and numerous European groups also, that believe it is against the law for Israel to even conduct uh, excavations in the ancient city of David. 
their forefather. It says this, Truth shall spring out of the earth, say the Psalms, but whose truth is the question that haunts Jerusalem in a city central to the three great monotheistic faiths? Putting a spade into the ground can have immediate and far-reaching consequences. In few places on earth can an archaeological ex- excavation so quickly spark a riot, threaten a regional war, or set the entire world on edge. Now, that sounds pretty dramatic, but I believe that is true. I believe it is true. I believe that shouldn't be the case, but it definitely is. That archaeologists, I mean, you go to a university, you study archaeology, you want to dig in the ground to find things, find ancient, ancient history, recover ancient artifacts, and you are on the front lines. Better watch out what you say, and you better watch out what you find as well, because it might just spark a regional war or set the entire world on edge. Then it continues this way. After the Israeli government opened a new exit to an underground passage. Oh, well, that's not, that's not necessarily too important. We'll just skip down in this article. Palestinian Authority Mahmoud Abbas has complained that the constant digging is part of a campaign to overwhelm 1,400 years of Muslim heritage with Jewish fines. Quotes then Director of Islamic Archaeology, Yusuf Natsheh. He says this, Here archaeology is not merely about scientific knowledge. It is a political science. Then it continues, Baruch hotly denies any bias in what's excavated, whether Canaanite or Crusader, each error gets its scientific due, he insists. There is no doubt that Israeli archaeologists are among the best trained in the world, yet there's also no doubt, the National Geographic writes, that archaeology is wielded as a political weapon in the Arab-Israeli conflict, with Israelis having the edge, since they control all excavation permits in and around Jerusalem. Oh, Israel's in charge of granting the licenses. Therefore, they have the edge in this fight of using history to, or the history of, of Jerusalem for its benefit. <laughs> Let's go on here. Uh, I'm going to skip down quite a lot. It goes through all the many of the historic excavations that have taken place, um, trying to paint them in the idea that they're they're one pro-Israel and then one against Israel uh, as well. Talks about how there was a destruction of antiquities on the Temple Mount under the hands of the Arabs as they tried to expand a mosque and took to the area with a front uh, loading uh, front bulldozer, a bulldozer front front end loader, I should say back in the early 90s, then it says this uh, towards the end, or towards the center. It says this, A century and a half of, of discoveries under Jerusalem have upset old beliefs and dashed cherished myths. Many archaeologists today dismiss the biblical version of King Solomon's glittering capital of a large empire. The famous monarch is, monarch is not even mentioned in any archaeological find of the era. Early Jerusalem was more like a minor fortified hill town. And doesn't quote many of these archaeologists. I'm sure you can find some extreme left-wing archaeologists that would say that, but that's not really the truth. And so now they're saying that Israel doesn't have right to declare this is the city of David because we don't even have any, uh, any, tr- any proof of such a kingdom from Jerusalem anyhow. Then it continues this way. And this is a part that really did quite annoy me just because um, I talk regularly with Dr. Elot Mazar 
who's been excavating Jerusalem longer than anybody else. And if you're familiar with our work, uh, watch Jerusalem's work, you know that we have assisted her in, in excavations going back 10 years and then going back even with her grandfather back to 1960, 1968, excavating at the temple, southern wall of the Temple Mount for a decade and then with Yigal Shalom for another four or five years in the city of David, sending volunteers to participate in these excavations, funding a lot, uh, much of these excavations as well. And then we've worked with Dr. Mazar, and I've worked with her personally for over a decade as well, and I've talked to her about this article, this uh, National Geographic article, and she, she dismissed the negative comments that he makes, or that this author makes, of Dr. Mazar, um, and she just talked about the article itself and how, how lacking it was, regardless of what of the ad hominem attacks against her. Um, but nevertheless, we'll just go through this because I just want to dispel this because we talk about Dr. Elot Mazar a lot on this program and her discoveries in ancient Jerusalem. We focus on the discoveries, which would be a good idea. And that is what we put the spotlight on. But not this author. It says this, one quiet Saturday morning, the Jewish Sabbath, I run into Mazar as she wanders through the otherwise deserted city David Park. On the northeastern edge of the narrow ridge, she excavated a building with thick walls next to an impressive stepped stone structure that braces the deep slope, the steep slope. Based on the pottery she found, Mazar dates the building to around 1000 BC, the traditional date assigned to the Israelite takeover of the Jebusite Jerusalem. Which is true. I mean, it's not, she dates it on more than that, as we'll get to. She is so deep in thought that I have to call her name twice to bring her out of her reverie. I like to come here when it's quiet to think, she explains. She invites me down the steps that lead to the metal catwalk above her famous excavation. She leans over the rail and points at the rubble below. Quote, this was an extension of the old Canaanite palace, but the building is something new. This is a king with vision who built something large and impressive in a skilled manner. For Dr. Mazar, that can only be King David. Everything fits the Bible, but if the story in the Bible, she said. And the article continues, her 2005 discovery made headlines around the world, but colleagues remain mostly unconvinced. She relies heavily on pottery for dating rather than the more modern methods such as radiocarbon. <laughs> That's so false. It's not true. We've proven this over and over again. She has ra many radiocarbon dates in the same layers of the pottery that help date the layers that date the building. I don't know. Well, I know where she where this author gets that, but that's false. That's wrong. Uh, that's that's a myth and a lie. She doesn't rely on on just pottery for her dating of the structure. Continuing the quote, she relies heavily on pottery for dating rather than the more more modern methods such as radiocarbon, and her literal reading of the Bible is seen by many archaeologists as flawed. And indeed, it is seen as flawed, but indeed, that's why we love her. <laughs> because she takes the Bible as innocent until proven guilty, and she says there's no reason to dismiss the events in there when talking about David and Solomon in particular as being accurate. Why? I mean, there's so many opportunities in the Bible uh, to have a disagreement between text and geography that we know about, or text and discovery, but it hasn't happened yet. There's no disagreement, even contrary to what you might hear. It says here, even the sign on the catwalk 
adds a question mark to the identification of the site. The remains of King David's palace? Question mark? Then it quotes Dr. Mazar. I rely on facts, she says. A touch of irritation in her voice when I raise the objections of other academics. Quote, what people believe is a different story. It takes time for people to accept what's new. I can't wait, she says. Which is 100% true. And we've talked about how people are coming around to her to her uh, position about King David's palace. Then she says this, well, the article continues, Mazar is eager to dig just to the north, where she believes the famous palace of David's son Solomon lies hidden. I'm sure it is there, she says with a sudden fierceness. We need to excavate this. She is preparing a request for permission to dig the site. Whether the IAA will approve her excavation is in question. Quote, Yuval Baruch, Today, if you dig, you need solid data, not just coins or pottery, but results using physics and biology. Elat Mazar is not playing in this game. I've got numerous books here on my shelf. Uh, final reports of those excavations on the Ophel, previous phases in the City of David, with plenty of physics, plenty of carbon dating involved there, and plenty of biology as well. Studying of the bones and of the organic material, of the plants, everything. Fish bones. Uh, you name it, it's there. It's all in there. But in many ways, Dr. Elotmazai is, is too controversial for even the Antiquities Authority. Because, I mean, she she excavates in ancient Jerusalem. She says what she finds. And she matches that with a historical description. And the only historical descriptions we have of Jerusalem at that time come from the Bible. And so if there's a match, there's a match. And if there's not, there's not. Nevertheless, she's deemed too controversial many of times, many times to even get a license easily. But she certainly is playing this game, playing the, na the, the modern scientific archaeological method game. She is involved in that. And he doesn't, there's no quote of, of one of hers, of another archaeologist here that says that she's not an, an, an effective excavator. Because none of them would say such a thing. Even her uh, main adversary, if I could call him that, Israel Finkelstein, in terms of the argument with David and Solomon, he ventures through her digs all the time. I've seen him many times excavating. As I've been excavating on Dr. Mazar's digs. He comes, and it's open house. Anyone can come. They can come and talk about it. Here's the pottery. Here's the facts. Here's the dating. And even he wouldn't suggest that Dr. Mazar doesn't excavate correctly in the right manner using the, the modern techniques. And yet this author does. If she's the only archaeologist that's coming out to be bold enough to say that something I've found belongs to David's time and then just to the north, look at this massive structure on the Ophel, just below the southern wall of the Temple Mount, and it belongs to Solomon's time. If she's the only one that's bold enough to say that, then she's not going to get a license because it's just adding fuel to the fire, is at least how many would see it. She's too biased. When she is bold, bold because she's willing to look at what she discovers and match it with the historical text, which happens to be the Bible. I interviewed her about uh, three or four months ago now, and I wanted to get her take about Jerusalem archaeology, and she did talk about how... Um, how especially during the mid-90s there was this big push against excavating in Jerusalem nobody really wanted to do it because they would be seen as a political tool uh, by will be painted as such 
And these academics just, they, you know, you go and you study archaeology and sure, you might believe in the history of your people or maybe you just have an interest in digging in the ground and studying ancient, his, uh, ancient civilizations. And then you, you, you come to want to get a license. You want to dig in Jerusalem. That makes sense. It's the center of the world in many ways. And it, it has, in, in biblical history, the, the, it is the place of focus. And yet, there are plenty of archaeologists that found themselves in the middle of a political firestorm because of what they were excavating. And for that reason, they want to go dig at Betshan. They want to go dig at Gezer. They want to go dig some classical site from 2,000 years ago around the Sea of Galilee. And all those places have value. We're not belittling that. that of course, that has value. But there was a, an era of archaeologists that were too, well, that just didn't want to deal with the politics. And so Jerusalem archaeology floundered for the mid, through the mid-90s up to 2000s, and then really it took off again with the establishment of the City of David Foundation and the excavations of Elat Mazar and others, Ronnie Reich and others, uh, in archaeologists that were bold enough to come and dig the area and deal with the criticism that would come. Anyhow, this article continues here. It says, Across the street from Mazar's putative Palace of David, so it's within question, is Palace of David. We go into proof that how the dating matches David and so on. You can, I'll leave an article, I'm sure, uh, and, a, and a link for you that you can prove that for yourself. Across the street from Mazar's putative Palace of David, Yuval Gadot epitomizes this new game of using biology and physics. <laughs> uh, he does. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a uh, nice man. I've met him a couple of times. He's visited Dr. Elot Mazar's uh, excavations as well. He's walked across the road from this excavation where he currently co-directs and he's walked over to the OFL during the season a couple of times. We saw him last season. And he comes and he investigates and talks with Dr. Mazar. And they get along very well. But, you know, it's not, how, it's not what you would read through this article. It's not the effect that you would get by reading this article. Across the street from Mazar's putative Palace of David, Yuval Gadot epitomizes this new game. The tall and affable Tel Aviv University archaeologist once opposed Israeli digs in this overwhelming, overwhelming Palestinian neighborhood, but the opportunity to lead the city's largest recent excavation proved too tempting to refuse. And so it's interesting there. I mean, even he, he was opposed to, to digging here in something that he saw probably as a political endeavor, or at least knew the discoveries uh, would be slanted in that direction. But he nevertheless decided to come and excavate here. He is a biblical minimalist. He doesn't believe David... Uh, was as grand as the Bible says, or even Solomon. His excavation is yet to find, is yet to go down to that layer, and he's even outside the old city walls from David's time, so he probably won't find anything that would change his mind. Uh, but maybe in time, his mind will be changed as well. Nevertheless, just a contrast I wanted to pick up there between how this National Geographic uh, author talks about Dr. Elot Mazar and then talks about the other Tel Aviv uh, excavator that's just excavating across the road. Anyhow, this article continues, and you can go ahead and read it if you want. I'll leave a link for you as well uh, about this National Ge Geographic article. And it also focuses on the City of David Foundation. They get a really bad rap. 
Um, they are an organization that started by, with David Beery back in 1986 that did seek to uh, bring Israel and the Jews back to their homeland. This is where this is where Jewish uh, life in Jerusalem began. The city of David. David conquered the Jebusite city back a thousand BCE, and he took it over and he called it the city of David. That's what it says in in Second Samuel chapter five. And he was there in part of the Dov Devan uh, military unit. And he was there talking to Arabs back in the mid-80s. And they knew about David and Solomon. And they said David and Solomon was here. And he decided at that point that, well, where are where is the signage? Where is the archaeology that proves this? Where are the, the Jews that want to live here? Where David, King David, lived. And so he has put his mind and his heart into um, funding excavations, bringing donors together to uncover the history of this area, and then too, as well, if he can, bring Jewish people back to their homeland. Now there is plenty of plenty of writing uh, about um, the difficulty of this, as people see it, because you have the the Palestinian population. I don't like saying native Palestinian population here, because if you go back to 1930, you can see pictures. Of the city of David, it's got a couple of houses on it. There's no Palestinians living there back then. That was only 70 years ago or 80 years ago. Uh, and so there's no real native population to this area, apart from if you go back a little bit further, you will get to the Jews that lived there for 3,000 years in this area. That is historically important and historically accurate. It talks about how this, well, this article talks, the Stillness National Geographic article talks about how they, he interviewed uh, Duron Spielman, he's the vice president for the Allard organization, and he talked about how, you know, and this man, I believe, probably has one of the hardest jobs in the world, uh, because he is consistently heckled by people that want to talk about how the city of David has is an ultra-right-wing Zionist organization, that if they could, they would remove every Palestinian but they employ Palestinians. They uh, work with the people there. Of course, you have disgruntled people. And, and yes, there has been some damage to Palestinian houses there, but that's been fixed and so on. Um, this is towards the end. This is how this article concludes. And as I conclude this, just think about how you were finishing this study. You, you, I mean, you got the, new, the National Geographic you saw Excavating Jerusalem written on the front cover, and you're like, yes, Jerusalem, this is where it all began. If you're a Christian, if you're a, a, a Jew, and even if you're an Arab, the whole reason the Arabs are uh, interested in Jerusalem is because of the biblical foundation for even their history in the city. I mean, that's why. <laughs> that, I mean, if you go back to the 1920s, you can, you can read, 1930s, read Palestinian, or oh, sorry, no Palestinians at that point, Arab literature that talks about how that, the Haram el-Sharif, the noble sanctuary there, the Temple Mount. I mean, the reason that it was the Temple Mount, according to them back then, was because Solomon's Temple was there, and this was the ancient city based on what the Bible says. But you can't say that anymore if you're a Palestinian. But even they believed it. Anyhow, this is what it says at the end. When I spoke to Spielman, again, he's the deputy or the vice president of Al-Ad, the City of David Foundation, he dismissed the Arab concerns of the residents saying, quote, yes, we are working under people's homes, which is not an issue if it is engineered well, which it is. 
Then, he's, then it writes, Three days after my visit to the Palestinians, Spielman sent a chilly email warning me against providing a stage for the, quote, claims of politically motivated anti-Israel special interest groups. End quote. Because he's used to it. And then he said, his re- he requested that I supply in writing the details of any, quote, nefarious claims, end quote, before publication. And then the author says, my repeated attempts to speak with him, speak again with him and other City of David officials were met with silence. Maybe because they knew where the article was already going and just gave up on it. The Waqf, Nat Sheh, is not so reticent. So this is the Islamic um, authority over the religious sites of the Temple Mount. Their, Their leader wasn't so reticent for him. The excavations and attempts to displace Palestinians are intimately connected. Quote, archaeology should not be a tool for justifying occupation, end quote, he says. Then this is the conclusion of the article. It says, what lies beneath Jerusalem reveals that the the city's history is too rich and complicated to fit any single narrative. Whether Jewish, Christian, or Muslim, Helena failed to wipe away its pagan past just as the Romans fell short of annihilating the rebellious Judean capital. And Muslims couldn't remeal, reveal, remove sorry, all traces of the hated crusader occupation. No matter who is in charge of this most contested of places, evidence from the past inevitably will surface, challenging any story tailored to a narrow political or religious agenda. So that's great. Not much in this article that you can take home apart from you've got Israelis, it seems, that are using archaeology unfairly and that they're using it to do away with Palestinian claims to the land and that this is going to be the issue, the issue that stops a two-state solution from coming, coming coming to pass. Now, it's interesting because they talk about how when you go and visit the city of David, that they're going to focus on the history of the Jews or the history of the Bible. And as I've talked about before, the reason that they'll do this is because that's why most people are visiting. It's not because there was another history that was found there. There was. But you have to go under all that history. There were plenty of Arab buildings that were discovered, and they were appropriately documented, just like you would any other uh, at any other site. If you go to other sites in Jerusalem, you will... Uh, see that you've got Canaanite uh, dwellings there and underneath the Israelite period, oftentimes they will remove the Israelite period to get down to what was there before it. In the ancient city of David, most of the time, the earliest layer that you have there, well, in many of the sites, especially if you're going to talk about the Palace of David site, is the Palace of David. That's the earliest material. And so that's on the bottom. And so if you keep on excavating down to find things, what you're going to leave most of the time is the thing on the bottom. And that just happens to be the history that matches the Bible. That's not selective showing a selective story. That's showing you what's the most ancient remains is of the city. But they talk about how if you give this tour, get a tour from the City of David Foundation, they're going to focus just on the Jewish roots. And by that, I mean the biblical roots. When, if you've excavated there, if if you actually have excavated in Jerusalem, you know, you know that most of the history that you uncover is from the from through the Byzantine period down through the Herodian period 2000 years ago you're going to get down to the biblical period it's just a fact i mean it's there layers of it destruction layers buildings from that period and so 
there is no wonder then that the uh, City of David Foundation focuses on that history. Again, it's the history that most people are concerned about. Now, this isn't some attempt by Israel to delay the, the or it's not standing in the way of some future two-state solution. I believe that if that ever happened, that Israel would still retain this little patch of ground. There's 20 acres or so that before 1937, there was hardly anyone even living there. Yes, it was under Jordanian control, occupation. If they call Israeli occupation of the West Bank, you have to call it Jordanian occupation as well of the West Bank because they never were given it by law. Um, but it's it's Israel wouldn't, it doesn't make sense for this to jeopardize the whole two-state solution because it's so small. And wouldn't that be nice? A little parting gift of the Palestinians if there was ever a two-state solution to recognize that this is the location of the history of Jerusalem as I've said before, it would be nice if the ancient city of Jerusalem was in West Jerusalem. I mean, the biblical city of Jerusalem was in West Jerusalem. But it's just not. It's just not. that You go to where the artifacts are. You go to where the history is, if you're an archaeologist. And the history happens to be just south of the Dungate, just south of the Temple Mount Wall, right by the Gihon Spring, right by Wadi Joe's, Kidron Valley. That's where it all began in Jerusalem, and it began with David, and the proof is there in terms of the biblical history of it. And so it would make sense for Israel to control this. And what if Israel didn't control this area? What would happen to those archaeological remains if an Arab state controlled this territory? Well, we've seen in history what happens often, to those other versions of history um, when Arab states take over. This is from um, the Wadi Hilwe Information Center brochure. So this is the counter Al-Ad organization run by Palestinian groups that live there and that support those Palestinians that are living right in this tiny little patch of land. And it's interesting because they talk about how wicked the Aladox organization is, how they neglect to tell the full story of history. And here's part of their brochure. This is under the subhead, Civilizations and the Peoples of Silwan, which is the name of this area, the larger area here. The village of Silwan, which exp- extends from the wards of the old city to Jabal Makaba, has been home to many peoples who established civilizations that left their mark on its history. Among them, the Canaanites, who invented a system for groundwater withdrawal in order to irrigate Jerusalem, the Assyrians, and Babylonians. The village was subject to the rule of the Egyptians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, and Byzantines. On through the era of Islamic rule initiated by the Caliph Omar and ended with Ottoman rule. This too was followed by the British Mandate, Jordanian rule, and finally Israeli occupation. (laughs) So, I don't know if you didn't, if you caught it there, but There wasn't any mention of Israelite, Judean civilization living there. They have, in fact, from their own brochure, edited out a good thousand years of history. Thousand years of history. No mention of the Jews whatsoever. And so if it's fair to say that the city of David um, is, is editing out history, well, then you have to look at the brochure from the other side as well. But you won't get that. You don't, you don't read that in these articles. That was nowhere to be seen in the National Geographic. And so it wasn't fair reporting. 
It wasn't accurate reporting. And again, what is missed out is a discussion about the magnificent artifacts, the history that is being uncovered there, that has been uncovered there. And so if you desire for your intellectual palate to be cleansed from reading this National Geographic article, I do recommend that you read our article, The Bible's Buried Cities, Jerusalem, and you'll get a factual account of the stunning artifacts that are coming out of the ground and have done so for about the past 70 years. Thank you very much for taking time to listen to the program today. I'll be with you next week, next Sunday. If you would like to leave uh, some comments for me or some feedback, you can do so by writing your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.ir. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you next week.